Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. As I said in the email and on Facebook, we're not going to read it today because we, then we won't have time to do the sermon. Uh, but we'll make references here and there. Um, so it's good to have it open. You can glance down at certain things. Chapter 12 and 13 go together. They're hard to separate. That's why we're tackling two chapters at once. It's, it's, it's really one series of events that all go together. And so I want to back up and ask you a question. Uh, did you ever do this to your kids? Or did you ever do this to their friends? You say, okay, we're, gonna, we're all going to yell or we're all going to start. We're all going to go on three. You go one, two, two and a half. And then they start. And then, no, no. So they come back. And you go, two and three quarters. And, and they, they're on to you now, but they still kind of start. And then finally you say three, and, and then you go. Well, in, in an odd sort of way, that's kind of what's happening here. Uh, a couple of times we've been on the brink of the wrath being poured out. Like a series of events have have come and gone, and they've they manifested themselves. So we're we're kind of at this high point where even declarations are made that that we are so close to the end that we're calling the victory. Uh, we're proclaiming the victory right now, and then and then we stop and we went back and we learned about some other things that had happened during that same period of time. And that brought us right up to that same point in time, 6.75 years in the tribulation. The bull judgments are just around the corner. We're at the brink of finding out what they are and how it's going to happen. And now it's two and three quarters. Now we're going to go back again. And, and, and God is building the anticipation, if you will. He's, he's building it, but he's not tricking us like I did my kids. He needs to come back. And he's saying, we're right there. But I want you to have some more information. So last time we looked back, we learned other things God had been doing. God said, I, I've also done this. There were two witnesses. These things have happened. Everything is going to make more sense if you realize this. And so we went back and we learned about that. Well, today we're going to go back again, and we're going to learn about more things that happened during the first six and three-quarter years of the tribulation Except this time, the more information is not about God necessarily, it's about Satan. So your, the title of the sermon is The Other Side. We could have called it No Stone Left Unturned, because even though God does not need to tell us what Satan's been up to, we do not need to know what he was doing in order to accept what God is doing. God's going, hey, there's even more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill in some more blanks. I'm going to give you more information and I want you to know everything that's happened up till now. And, and this is the last stall. Next time around, we're going to be moving right into the bulls. So here's the context in your notes. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be heavy in the notes today. I'm going to reference scriptures, and you can write them down. Hopefully you'll recognize them from what you read, or you can go back to look at them. So we're going to be heavy in the notes today. So context, at the end of chapter 11, God has finished showing us all that he has done over the past 6.75 years. Now to complete the story, God will show us what Satan, the beast, and the false prophet have been up to during this same period of time. And I, I had you write down God twice because I want to remind you that God's in control of all this. None of this is happening by accident. 
None of it is happening outside of his sovereign will. He is orchestrating these events. He's allowing Satan to be Satan, the beast to be the beast, the false prophet to be the false prophet. But he is in control. So he is revealing to us what they have done and what they will do. And we can be absolutely sure that's exactly what's going to happen. So Revelation 12 is all about Satan. Everything we're going to read tells the story of Satan. And let's start with our notes. This is the history of Satan, and it's really going to be from the beginning till now, okay? So number one, even though God has created Israel to be wonderfully powerful and influential, influential over the entire world, Israel's existence was tumultuous. And when it came time for Messiah to be born, it was in spiritual, economic, and political turmoil. We, we know God set them up for greatness because it's described as a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. That's in verse 1. And God said, I set Israel up to be everything, to be my witness, to, to be my glory, to be my people, to do everything I intend to do throughout the earth through them. But we know from history that the, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, did not follow God's pattern. They wandered away so many times. By the time Jesus actually showed up, they weren't looking for him. They were looking for a Messiah that was different. They were 100% into a works-based salvation, which was a false salvation. And, and when this took place, they were in turmoil. Number two, Satan, who had gained much authority and power in both heaven and on earth, tried to kill the Messiah after he was born. Now, we remember that. Herod... Uh, killed all the babies two years and younger in uh, Bethlehem. That was one blatant attempt of Satan to kill the Messiah. There were other attempts. He tried to have Jesus thrown off a cliff and, and maybe even stoned on another occasion. He tried to end him before he got to the cross. The cross was always his destination. Satan did not put him on the cross. Satan actually tried to keep him from the cross. And one way he tried to keep Jesus off the cross was to kill him before he got there. So Satan has been about trying to kill Jesus, trying to eliminate Israel and that kind of stuff for a long time. But this says Satan has gained a lot of authority and power in both heaven and earth. That may strike you as odd, but don't forget that when Satan rebelled against God, he took a third of the angels with him. We call them demons now. So Satan and a third of the angels, now called demons, they're all working together. They were powerful before they fell. They are still powerful. They did not lose their power. They did not lose their strength. They did not lose their abilities. Okay, They, they, didn't, they didn't lose anything except divine favor and, and the relationship with God that they had experienced before. So Satan uh, spread his lies among the angels and a third followed him. Now, they, have, they were not kicked out of heaven, per se. They had access to God. Remember, Satan would be uh, accusing the saints to God. Remember, Job, uh, Satan is there, like he, like he was on many occasions, accusing the saints, and God said, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? So we know God and Satan can speak. We know they're, they're kind of in the same realm, if you will. We know that Satan has access to, to God. 
We know that there, there is a spirit, spirit world or a, a spirit, spiritual realm where fighting takes place, where the spiritual warfare takes place. We learned about Gabriel trying to get a message to Daniel, but Daniel was held up and he couldn't get through until someone came to help him. So we, we know, we got clues there's out there. And when I say that Satan has power in heaven, I'm not talking about the future heaven that we're going to read about, the new heaven and the new earth, and I'm, I'm not even talking about paradise or things like that. I'm talking about the spiritual realm, the, the heavens. Heaven can have many, many uses, and in, in this sense it means the realm where God is, where the spiritual realm is. So demons as well as angels, and of course God, can move back and forth between the earthly realm where we are and the spiritual realm where they are. That, that's, that they can do things like that. We don't understand it all. We don't know the extent of it all. But we read about it in Scripture, and we, we, we even experience some of us things like that. And so we know that takes place. It's important for what we're going to read to understand that. But Satan has a lot of authority in heaven and on earth in that spiritual realm, and his goal has been to kill the Messiah after he was born. Number three, instead... After fulfilling all that Jesus came to do, he, Jesus, ascended into heaven. That's important because that, that means that all of Satan's efforts ended in disappointment. When Herod killed all the babies, he missed Jesus. When they tried to throw him off the cliff and stone him, Jesus walked through the crowd miraculously. Uh, God did not allow Satan to do these things. And so Satan has been thwarted, he's been disappointed. Nothing has worked. And we need to know that because we're coming up to his last hurrah. In the world today, you will notice that Satan is gaining a lot more power, a lot more influence. He's, he's accomplishing many things that he was not able to accomplish before because our world is moving in that direction. But we also know that he has failed in killing Jesus to the point where Jesus actually ascended into heaven where he is safe and secure. Not that he was ever in any real danger anyway. Number four, Satan also attacked Israel over the years. But God has protected them, including and specifically during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. There is absolutely no explanation for the Jewish people existing today other than God protecting them. All the, all the other nations, all the other civilizations, they've, they've ceased to exist. They don't have a national identity. There may be heritage, but there's no national identity. Israel, even when they did not have a country to call home, had a national identity. And when they had a country, they flooded back in and, and filled that country. The, the events going on today are an example of, of Satan trying to attack Israel. There's no doubt about it. Evil is, is, is at work against Israel. And why Israel? Because they are special to God. Satan wants to destroy what is special to God. Why does Satan attack Christians? Because we belong to God. Why does Satan attack Israel? Because they are his chosen people. Why is Satan try to, trying to destroy Israel? Because they have a place in the future. They have a place in in, in the uh, prophecy. He's doing everything he can to mess up God's plans. And so we read there, this is kind of the history up until the middle point of the tribulation. So we're all the way back to when he 
tried to do in the beginning, what he's done all the way through, and then it says, it says, the woman fled, the woman is Israel, into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. So God is literally protecting Israel during the first half of the tribulation. There's clues in here, which I think you can find, that let us know that's the first half of the tribulation. The next section you notes, Revelation 12, 7 through 12, <coughs> tells us that halfway through the tribulation, Satan was forcibly expelled from heaven. Forcibly expelled from heaven, and both he and his demons were cast down to dwell on the earth. Now remember I told you they had access to the earth, but they didn't dwell on the earth. They dwelt in that spiritual realm. They moved, they moved about. They interacted with the angels. Some even interacted with God. God allowed them to keep their domain until now. And it actually says that, that they were kicked out, that Michael and his forces, angel armies, fought with them. They lost, and they were kicked out. Well, where's the only other place they can go? The earthly realm. So Satan is kicked out of, of heaven... And now he's on the earth. That's 7 and through 9. Number 2 in your notes. After Satan was expelled, worship broke loose in heaven, declaring that the long-awaited conclusion of all prophecy was now taking place in their sight. This, this was a sign to everyone in heaven. Satan has been mingling around. They've been fighting with each other. Um, Satan's been trying to do whatever he does. And everyone's waiting for the, the big conclusion, the end to come. And now they get a sign. Satan has been kicked out, like no longer allowed on that side of the curtain. Satan is now bound to the earth, and, and it's probably completely different on, in the spiritual realm. Evil has disappeared. And they instantly recognize it, and they rejoice. They break out in worship. And this goes on. Number three, those who live on the earth will suffer greatly as Satan's hand because he is now physically present, angry, and desperate. Why is he angry? Because he got kicked out of where he's most comfortable, the spiritual realm. He's angry because he can see the writing on the wall. He's angry because nothing he's tried over the thousands of years has worked. He's angry because the end is near. Why is he desperate? The same reasons. His time is short. He's read the Bible. He knows what's next. His time is short. He's got three and a half years left to do all he can do. Why he doesn't give up, I have no idea. Maybe he's deluded his own thinking enough that he thinks that somehow, some way, he's going to rise up and win in the end. But now he's physically present, he's angry, and he's desperate. And that explains a few things that happen on the earth. Revelation 12, 13 through 17, still telling Satan's story. After being cast down to the earth, Satan viciously attacked Israel. But once again, God protected them, specifically for the last three and a half years of the tribulation. In verse 6, going back a little bit, it says that God protected them for 1,260 days. You do the math, that's three and a half years. In verse 14, at the end, it says where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. Well, a time is one year, times is multiple, so it's two years, and half a time is half a year. So a one year plus two years plus half a year, three and a half years. 
Why say it differently, just a few verses apart? Because it's a different time. wants to emphasize that. So now, Israel is being protected by God for the last three and a half years. After Satan is cast down. When Satan tries to attack. Number three in your notes. When Satan tried to kill them with water, God opened the earth. I just realized there's no number two. (laughs) Number three. When Satan tried to kill them with water, God opened the earth and swallowed the water, most definitely protecting Israel from Satan personally. Now, I don't honestly, I, I don't have an opinion of whether water actually came from Satan's mouth like a river and tried to overcome Israel to kill them. I don't know. Is it possible? Probably. Is it probable? Ah, maybe not. This is one of those times where I don't know. But the point is the same. If it actually happened, there's a point. If it's an illustration, there's a point. The point is that while Satan is trying to attack Israel, God is specifically protecting them. He is specifically protecting them. Who in particular is he protecting? Well, the 144,000 that were sealed and any other Jewish person who became a believer during the tribulation. We call them messianic believers now. I don't know what they're going to be called then, but there'll be many Jews who believe beyond the 144,000 that were sealed. That's who he's protecting. He's protecting them because they have a place in the future kingdom. And he's fulfilling a promise. Okay, number four. When Satan could not reach Israel, he turned his treachery to the Christians. He turned his treachery to the Christians. So he says, okay, I can't get Israel. I'm going to go after the Christians. And he does. We're going to read a little bit about that as we study the other two people. So that's the history of Satan. God goes all the way back and he says, here's what Satan's been doing. Satan's been trying to kill Jesus, but he failed. He attacked Israel, but he failed. I kicked him out of heaven. Now he's on earth. He's going to be wreaking havoc, but I'm going to protect Israel. And and you read the end of that section there. It says those who die will die, and and those who are put in prison will be put in prison. He's basically basically saying the Christians can handle it. What happens to the Christians happens to the Christians. I'm going to be there with them. I'm going to get them through it. It's not the end. There's no promise that Christians won't suffer. There's no promise that Christians won't be killed. And so whatever happens to the Christians happens, but I'm going to be there for them. And and those many Christians who are killed are going to be that 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 massive number of people that were under the under the throne. So we move into Revelation 13. The first half is about the Antichrist. The second half is about the false prophet. Continue on in our notes. Satan empowered men. This is the original coalition led by the Antichrist. If you remember way back at the beginning, seal number one, the Antichrist with a group of people. Okay, it's described here. That's why it has... Uh, ten horns and seven heads and ten crowns on its horns. It's a coalition government uh, of many world leaders forming one government to start ruling the world cooperatively. He's a part of that, and Satan empowered those men, plural, with power and authority for the first three and a half years. So God allowed Satan to do this, all right? Then he, Satan, gave the Antichrist, so we went from uh, men to a man, so it's the Antichrist. Satan gave the Antichrist, here's a quote from the passage, power, a throne, and great authority. 
for the second three and a half years. He gave him a position. He w- they went from uh, a group of people to a single person. That single person at some point will, will be controlled by Satan, uh, maybe possessed by Satan. We don't know exactly when that happens, but it's, it's somewhere in there. And, and he's in control, okay? He gained control, you can, you'll read about this, by manipulating mankind into faith in him caused, by causing him to have a fatal wound and then healing him. It's, it's there, it's, it's very plain, but not a lot of space is given to it. It says one of the horns had a fatal wound. What, what that is, we have no idea. Maybe someone tries to assassinate him. Maybe he's in an accident. Somehow, the world thinks this leader in the group of leaders is going to die, and then he's healed. And, and the story is that he is someone special. He is the chosen one. He can't be killed because he's the one that will rise up. And then he takes that fame and that glory and that momentum, and remember, there's the hostile takeover. So he becomes the military and the dictator of the world politically in every way. Now he is single-handedly ruling the world. These other people that used to rule with him either now work for him or they've been eliminated. And so he's in charge. And he, he gains power. People start believing, wow, this is the guy. This is the guy we've always wanted. Look how powerful he is. Wherever he gets his power, it's power. Because we thought he was dead. And, and he's healed now. Some people believe that he actually did die and, and, and rose again. I don't see that. So I don't, I don't think that. I think that he had a, a mortal wound that could have led to death, but he was healed by the power of Satan. And so now he's there. Number two, we're talking about the Antichrist now. The unsaved worshipped the dragon Satan and the beast because of this miraculous healing. So what Satan does with this healing is he sets the beast up to be in charge and he encourages people to start worshiping. When someone says, wow, you're godlike, he goes, "Uh uh-huh, glad you're finally noticing. He, He doesn't claim to be God yet. That's the abomination of desolation. But he's allowing people to worship him. He's encouraging people to worship him. And so this is taking place. All right. Number three, also during the second three and a half years of the tribulation, the beast ruled over earth unchallenged, blaspheming God at every opportunity. So he's trying to tear down God while he builds himself up. And he is waging war against any and all believers alive on earth, both imprisoning and killing them when he captured them. So now we have Satan turning on the Christians, and now we know what's been happening. We know where all these martyrs came from who are under the throne of God that we read about. We know why they say, how long will it be before you avenge our death? Okay? We know in the future why they're worshiping when it finally comes that he's avenging their death. And we know that Satan is all about killing and imprisoning, which has been his thing all along. And it gets better. It keeps building. So we have Satan. We have the Antichrist now in the last three and a half years. Now we have a false prophet. Verses 11 through 18. 
He's called the second beast. Okay, we know him as the false prophet. That's how he's usually referred to. The second beast arrives sometime during the second half of the tribulation. Don't know exactly when. It says that he comes out of the sea. And if you remember, the, the beast rose out, rose uh, no the, the beast rose out of the sea. This one comes out of the out of the earth. That's to tell us these are humans. These are these are human beings. They they come. Maybe the first one came by boat or something. They rose out of the sea. This one rose out of the earth. They're human beings. They're they're nothing beyond that. Okay, except the fact that Satan's empowering them. So the second beast, called the false prophet, arrives sometime during the second half of the tribulation. His purpose is to act as a prophet or evangelist for the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is acting like he's God. He's accepting worship like he's God. He's not turning down anyone who thinks he's God. Now the false prophet shows up and says, hey, you know what? You guys are right. He is God. You should be worshipped. He's the man. Did you see what happened to him? He was dead. And now he's alive. That proves he's God. Do you see some of the things he's doing? That proves he's God. Hey, guys, I'm here to tell you I have discovered the truth, and this is the man we need to worship. And that's his job. He's a prophet and evangelist. He will call on mankind to worship the Antichrist. He, he's not playing any games. He's full on, hey, worship this guy. I worship him. You need to worship him. He's a prophet and an evangelist. He also calls on them to worship an idol of the Antichrist. So the Antichrist, he can only be one place at one time, so they, they make an idol of him. And now you can have your own idol anywhere you need, and you're supposed to worship. Okay? And the... The idol that probably has a temple or has a place where you can go visit it. The idol, continuing on, by the power of Satan, the, anti, uh, the false prophet brings the idol, called the image of the beast, to life and gives it powerful abilities. Specifically, we're told that he gives the idol the ability to speak. So think of an idol. We don't know if it's made out of wood bronze, gold, some kind of alloy. We don't know if it's, we don't know what it is. But he gives it the ability to speak. So it can have a conversation with you. Not AI, but a conversation with you. So this idol can talk to you. And it also has the ability to kill you. So this block of wood or a hunk of metal or carved rock can now speak and kill you. Why does it need to kill people? Well, here's perhaps what the conversation looks like. A Christian is captured, brought before the idol of the, the, the image of the beast. And the image of the beast says, bow down and worship me. Worship the, the dragon, something like that. Deny Christ. Uh, deny your allegiance to God. And there will be actual Christians who are brought in, stand before this idol. They're told to do this, and they will say, I will bow to none other than God Almighty himself. I will not worship you or anything else. And the beast then has the power to kill them. And they will be killed, and they will be martyrs, and they will be part of the group that is seen under the throne of God. 
So Satan is behind all this. He's behind the Antichrist and his power and his influence and, and how he's been set up to rule. He's behind the false prophet and he's behind the idol and he's behind all these things. He's behind all of this. Number two, in that section, the false prophet then organizes a system by which all worshipers receive the mark of the beast, which is required to buy and sell anything. If you've ever had the question, can I accidentally receive the mark of the beast, the answer is no. Because one, it doesn't come till three and a half years in or beyond. Number two, you have to worship this idol and the Antichrist. And, and number three, you have to take it willingly. So you can't accidentally get it today. It's not a thing. But the worshipers, those who worship the idol and worship the Antichrist, they will get his, the mark, which is either his name or his number. I don't know what his name is. I don't know if it says Ralph or if it says King George. I don't know what it is. Or the number 666. We are told the number. So these worshipers get this. So, so Satan has set up this entire system of worship that eventually flows to him. The false prophet points to the Antichrist. The Antichrist receives worship for him. Okay? So this is all happening. And, and, and now we get to the end of this chapter, and it just drops us there. I, I wanted you to know this information. Now you've got it. We'll continue on with something else in chapter 14. So we've got to ask the question, why is this here? Well, number one and most obvious, God, God wants us to have a full picture he wants us to know where the, the, the martyrs have come from who, who've died. He wants us to know what Satan is up to. It's not like God is doing all these things and Satan's sitting in the corner twiddling his thumbs going, ah, I hope nobody believes. Oh, I hope nobody understands. Oh, this is terrible. No, he's fighting. He's attacking. He's going after believers. Some will be too scared. Some will be flabbergasted. Many will say, this is the God we've always wanted. What are you supposed to take from this? Well, it's, please take note in your notes. This is the third time God has said, in effect, now is the time for the conclusion of all prophecies and the destruction of evil on the earth. It was in Revelation 10, 11, and I know we haven't got to 14 yet, but 14 is the response to this. So God is, God is giving us every angle, bringing us to the same moment in time where the wrath will be poured out. I want you to see that. Number two, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are an unholy trinity used by Satan to fool and manipulate people. Satan has always been in the business of coming up with false Christs. Okay, remember he says he's the angel of light. He's trying to fool people. He wants people to think they're worshiping God when they're not. So if you want to follow a God that, that produces a works-based salvation, he'll give you the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, and Judaism, and many others we could mention. If you want a God that's all about uh, providing for you, he's, he's the bank, he's the spiritual bank account, he's the one that, that will give you what you ask for, then you, you follow the prosperity gospel, which can lead you straight to hell. If you want a God that obeys you, that you can control, then you follow the word of faith movement. And, and you're in charge. That's also a gospel that will lead you to hell, which is perfectly fine with Satan. 
But now it seems that the, the world's going to want, and, and Satan will provide a superhero. Doesn't this, some of this stuff sound like the Marvel movies? Some of the comic books? How smart is it that Satan right now is giving us, in our time frame, a reason to doubt what God is doing? Wouldn't be that much of a stretch, because we've seen it in every Marvel hero movie. Oh, those are aliens coming down. Oh, we are the heroes. This is our hero. This is our God. He will help us fight against the intruders. Do you see it? Satan, Satan doesn't miss a beat. He's going to give us a superhero God who can do all these huge, wonderful things in front of people. But there's also a dark side. He kills and he destroys in the process. Number three, Satan's ability to manipulate and deceive, along with his bent towards violence, gives us a glimpse into why so many people miss God's call but believe Satan's lies. I've been asking the question all through this. How are these people missing what God is doing? How are they not seeing what God is doing? It's so obvious. Well, all of a sudden, we're able to see the other side of the coin, and we see Satan doing everything he can do to lie, to manipulate, to cause these things not to be seen as truthful. And now we've reached that same point in time. We're right at that moment in time, 6.75 years into the tribulation. We are standing on the precipice of the bowls of wrath being poured out. So we've come from every angle. God has filled in all the blanks. There is nothing left to wonder about. No question unanswered. We are at this single point in time now. And we're going to move forward. And God's wrath will be poured out. Justice will be given. Prophecy will be fulfilled. And all the things that we've been waiting for for a long time will come to fruition. And, and God will accomplish what he's come to accomplish. And that's why these two chapters are here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for including these two chapters. I pray that in the, in the effort to try to do two chapters at once and tell the whole story on one day, that it's clear enough. But I pray that as we go back and read these passages again, it'll become more clear. We'll see the clues. We'll see the references. And, and we'll be able to put two and two together and, and, and see where we're at. Thank you for, for being in control and, and being sovereign and, and knowing what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and how you're going to do it. And thank you for letting us in on some of that information. Thank you that you are more powerful than Satan, no matter what he thinks. Help us to serve you as that God, sovereign, worthy, full of love, but justice as well, merciful, gracious, but coming a day where justice is, is, is given out. Holy Spirit, work on our hearts. Teach us what we need to learn. Help us to think about what we need to think about. May these things we're gaining at least affect how we think about you and what we know about you. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen.